Well, good morning. How is everybody doing today? Good? All right. You're a little lot more lively than the first service. I said that, and like five of them are like, I'm good. Uh, so the other must still be tired. They may be like me a little bit. When it rains, I tend to go into like sleep mode and want to just take a nap. But I'm going to ask you to bear with me this morning. Uh, we're going to have a good service. If you're a guest with us this morning, we just want to say thank you for spending this part of your weekend with us. We hope you sense and feel the love of God, but more importantly, that you experience God this morning and that you leave changed than when you came in, because I believe God wants to do something significant in your life. And, uh, and I believe we're going to have a good time this morning. If you don't know by chance, I am Brian. I get the privilege of being the student pastor here at Faith Community, and I can't tell you enough how honored I am to be a part. We have just the best students there is in Missouri. It's just that it's, it's, it's truth. Uh, but then I also get the privilege of working with an amazing leadership team, our youth sponsors, our youth leadership team. Uh, they just go above and beyond. I mean, they're always faithful. They're always committed. And you know how it is. They do whatever the crazy youth pastor asks them to do. And so um, sometimes that, that takes a little more guts than than we want to admit at times, but it's good. And so I'm just really honored to be here this morning and just kind of continue the service or the message series that we've been in, Encounters with Jesus. Last week, if you were with us, you heard from Pastor Josh, and he talked about Nicodemus and just the notion and the challenge that Nicodemus had in the sense that not just to know about Jesus or who he was, but to have an encounter with him, to experience Jesus the person and who he is, because Jesus wants us to experience him in a real way, not just knowledge, not just uh, book information, but he wants us to experience him as the living God that he is. And so I hope that you did throughout the week. Uh, And this week we're going to talk about Jesus's encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well. How many was able to read their homework this week? Anybody? Man, you guys are on top. You're better than the first service. I'm just saying. Again, there was like five hands, but it's all good. If you didn't read it, don't worry. I read it enough for everybody. So you're covered. Uh, And we're going to have a good time this morning. But would you just pray with me this morning as we start the service? God, we love you. Uh, We're just honored, Lord, that you would choose to love us, Lord God. You see us as we are, Lord God. You know our past. You know our future, God. And your word tells us that there is nothing that can separate us from your love. And so this morning, God, I just pray that you speak through your word, that you use me to speak clearly, Lord God, what it is you would have each person, Lord. And may they be ready and willing to receive the truth you have for them today, Lord God. We love you and we thank you. And everyone said? All right, you guys are on it. I will, can I confess to you, I'm, I'm more of an interactive person, the students can tell you, uh, even when I don't want to be interactive, the students make me be interactive because they'll just pop up with a question right in the middle of service. I mean, they'll stand there and they'll raise their hand right in the middle of service like, look, I got something to say. So if I ask a question, just respond to me, it's okay, you don't have to sit there being quiet, you can talk back with me and we'll keep going. But truth is, is this week I've been battling some sinus stuff, and so it's going to be really funny if you see me a little off, like walking, I can't hear out of the left side of my ear at all. So like, I'm not trying to ignore you people over here, but if you say something and I don't like turn, it's just because I didn't hear it. So uh, it's all good. But we're going we're gonna to have some fun today. This is just an amazing story. I love the interaction and just the encounter that Jesus has with the Samaritan woman. It's found in John 4, and we're going to read verses 1 through 30. But much like last week, instead of just reading the whole story right off the bat, we're going to just kind of read a little bit of the sections at a time, and I just want to share some insights from those sections. And so if you would turn to John 4, we're going to start right at the top, verse 1. 
And this is what it says. It says, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Excuse me. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. For he was alone at this time. His disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And I want to pause there because I want you to understand a little bit of the history here. I'm sure many of you, maybe all of you, have heard this story of Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well. But what's really significant about this is that you can see right from the beginning of Scripture, even in the conversation that Jesus starts with this woman, that she is an outcast. The Samaritan people as a whole are outcasts. And the reason for that is, is because back, you know, years ago, Um, the Assyrians came in and invaded. And what they did as part of their invasion process was that they would wipe out all the higher up or the more powerful people in a city, in a community, whatever, and they would take those people back to their homeland and they would leave the poorest of poor and then they would intermix their own people into that community. And so what would happen naturally over time is that the Jews that were left there, they would uh, intermarry with the Assyrian people, but also even more than that, there was an intermix of religion. And so not only did their faith kind of get skewed because the Assyrians would come in and they would bring their gods and what they believed. And so there was just this mass mixed culture that was there in Samaria and in Sychar there where Jesus is approaching this woman. And so that's really why the Jews kept this segregation. I mean, to Jews, they kept themselves distant from Samaria. They didn't want to be seen talking to them. It would have been, you know, like the lowest of lows if they'd have gotten caught. And, and you can be assured that Jesus knows this. You know, he's not oblivious to this on any level. He knows what's going on, and yet he chooses to have this interaction with this woman. But what's also fascinating about this is the fact that Jesus comes at noontime, and here this woman is coming to the well at noontime. It seems like a crazy odd time, right? Because noon is usually close to the hottest part of the day. It's if, you know, we're like those people back then, they want to be in the AC. They don't want to be outside in the sun. And so why was this woman coming to the well? And the truth is, is because it shows us that she is not only part of this outcast community, but she's the outcast of outcasts. You see that? Because she's coming because her expectation here is that no one's going to be at the well. Her hope is, is I'm not going to have to have any interaction with anybody whatsoever. I'm just going to come to the well and Jesus happened to be there. And so now all of a sudden she's coming with the thought of, I don't, I'm not going to have to talk to anybody. I'm just going to be able to get my water, get what I need and get out. And all of a sudden here's this guy and he's standing there. And not only that, she recognizes him as a Jew. And now he wants to have a conversation with me. That's just, it's just really odd. But the beautiful thing is, is it really speaks to Jesus's passion and his passion is for people. He wasn't concerned about labels. 
You know, like I said a moment ago, he knew who this woman was. He knew her background. He knew her history, and yet he chose to engage her. And I want to start this morning because I want to tell you this, and I want you to get this right from the very beginning. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your history. Jesus wants to speak with you this morning. He wants to talk to you. He wants to reveal something to you. I like to tell students this in the fact that he wants to whisper secrets to you. He wants to tell you things that he doesn't tell just anybody else because they're for you. And that's what he's doing here with this woman. He has this encounter with her, and it's just an amazing thing. And I love how he starts because he, he just goes right in. He's like, can I get a drink? And the woman's like, dude, you're not even supposed to talk to me, and now you want me to get you a drink. Uh, it, it's just fascinating how Jesus dives in. And so it gets really good as we go on. And so let's continue to read. And this is verse 10. It says this, Jesus replied to her this, because remember, she asked, why are you asking me for a drink? And this was his reply. If you only knew the gift of God, the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. The woman said, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, who do you think you are? Or do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he, his sons, and his animals enjoy? And Jesus replied with this, and I love this because he twists her up a little bit. He says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them giving them eternal life and the woman said please sir give me this water then i will never be thirsty again and i won't have to come here to get water and it's a beautiful start i want to pause there because jesus just dives right in i love it because he asked and she asked the question you know you really want me to get you water and he's like well really if you knew who i was you'd ask me to get you what i have and so he just, you know, he really twisted because it's very evident. This woman has no idea other than he's a Jew. She has no idea who she is face to face with in this moment. She doesn't know who she's talking about. But here's this guy that's standing before her telling her that there's a fresh new life for her. There's freedom that she's never experienced before. You know, that she can break free from the current struggles. That's what he's telling her. And I think she's getting this sense because she asks, I want that water. Give me this water. And it's just neat to believe or for me to see and even believe in the scripture that she doesn't know who Jesus is, but she recognizes the authority that he has in his words because she wants what he's offering, even though she doesn't know him. But the challenge here is, is that because she doesn't know him or she hasn't experienced him, she doesn't know the fullness of what he's saying. And I believe for you and I, that's us. We want this life that Jesus has for us. We want this experience that he has, this freedom that he offers. But the truth is, is we, we don't want to approach him as who he is. We want to keep him in the box that we confine him to. Well, Jesus, if you operate here and do this, then I can, I can accept that freedom. And what Jesus is trying to get this young lady to see or this woman to see is that she has to see him for who he is to experience the fullness of what he has to offer. And she's just not getting it yet. You know, and it's, and it's evident because you could probably imagine this woman has come to this well day after day, week after week, 
you know, doing the same thing over and over again, and all it is to her is a reminder of her past, her life that she's stuck in. That's all coming to the well is, and Jesus even addresses that because he makes the statement of anybody that comes to this well will get thirsty again. They'll get thirsty again, but anyone who comes to me will never have to return to this well. And she even says that, give me this water, because I don't want to come. I don't want to stay where I'm at, is basically what this woman is saying. I don't want to stay where I'm at. I don't want to live where I'm at. I want what's best. I want that, that great life. Because truth is, is, we all have dreams. We all have passions within us. We have a desire to better ourselves. No matter what place in life you're at, we have that desire. But the truth is, is we can only gain that life through Jesus. I tell students it this way, and you've probably even heard me say it before. I believe there is greatness in every person. I believe it. But the only way that greatness comes out is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only way to see it. And that's what he's telling this woman. You know, he's like, if people keep coming back to this well, they're going to get thirsty. And what he's saying there is, is for us, is that when we constantly return to the same wells in our lives, we're going to continue to be unsatisfied. See, I may not know what that well is for you. I know the wells that I have in my life. I know what I've done, dug, and I know where I return, and I know what I tend to run back to instead of running to Jesus. Does anybody know what insanity is? Anybody? I know some of you guys should know it, right? Somebody shout it out for me. Tell me. That's right. See, they're good. They listen. No. It's good. But that's insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So basically, we could say this woman, she's living a life of insanity. She's returning to this well day after day, wanting more but she's doing the same thing over and over again and hoping that something's going to change. How many of us in our lives, we want to break free from something. We want to set something aside, but we always return back or we go the same route that we just went two weeks ago trying to break it. But then we sit back in the end and go, well, how come I didn't get freed from that? Well, it's because we're doing the same thing. We do it in relationships. Let's be honest. We do it in relationships. You know, we get in a bad relationship and what do we do? We leave that relationship, and instead of being patient and finding the right next step, we jump back into another relationship. Sure, it's a different person, but it's the same relationship. And this time, it's supposed to go better, and when it doesn't, we wonder why. Let's just be honest this morning. So what well do you keep going back to? See, and that's what Jesus is addressing with this woman is he wants her to see that the only way she'll be satisfied, the only way she can break free from this is him and is understanding who he is. Jesus wants us all to encounter him today. He wants us all to be freed. You know, if you remember our series that we did a little while back with the four cups, there are four core promises God makes to us. He wants to save us, he wants to deliver us, he wants to redeem us, and he wants us fulfilled. That second part, he wants to deliver, he wants to set you free this morning. He wants to set you free, but you have to experience him to do that. You have to have that experience with him. And so let's continue the story, because now it, get, you know, it was good then, now it gets really good, because Jesus just like goes right in. You know? And this is what it says, verse 16. It says, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. 
Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the one you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. And sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it's here at Mount Gerizim, or however you say it, you can plug in your own word there, um, where our ancestors worship. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming indeed, hear this, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said this, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And I love what Jesus does here. He says, and he told her, I am that Messiah. And that's just so powerful because now all of a sudden she knows who he is. And all that he's offered before, because again, if you go back to the previous little passage we read, she knew there was something different about this guy. She was intrigued by the words he said, and she even calls him a prophet, you know, in the middle of that, because she's still not putting two and two together. We can see she has an understanding of scripture, you know, because she says there's supposed to be this Messiah coming. So she's at least has somewhat of a knowledge of who Jesus is, and then Jesus just clearly just lays it out to her, I'm that guy. I'm the one that you're looking for. But even at the beginning of that, it seems a little harsh, if we're honest, right? Because Jesus, like, just called this woman out. He didn't start with anything small. You know, he didn't go, you know, you lied last week. Let's, let's talk about that. He said, go call your husband. And he knew, I mean, he knew the woman was going to be like, I don't have one. And, and he just kind of goes into her, and and sometimes I think we, we think Jesus is throwing her past up in her face, and that's not what his intent here is. Jesus is not one that convicts us, I mean condemns us. He's not one that wants us to feel buried by our past or our struggles. That's not who Jesus is. He will convict us because he wants us to deal with those things, and that's what he's doing here with this woman. He's just bringing it to light because she needs to address this in her life in order to experience all that he has for her because Jesus has a twofold purpose here. One, it's to reveal who he is. He needs to show this woman that he is the living God. He is the one that can change her circumstance if she trusts in him, but two, in order for him to do that, she has to be honest with herself. She has to be honest with herself. Why? Because Jesus works in truth. He works in truth. And so when we come in week after week, day after day, or even like this woman, and we put on a facade and pretend to be someone we're not, it makes it hard for Jesus to break through. He needs us to realize who we are, and even more than that, that he loves us despite our past. He loves us despite whatever we've walked through, and he's here to offer us life. That's what he's trying to tell this woman. That's what he's getting to her. And when she asked that question, excuse me for a moment. When she asked that question about where they should worship, and Jesus addresses this, what he's essentially saying in that is that God and, and Jesus himself, they're looking for people that are real and authentic. 
that want to worship him, that want to come as they are, just as they are. They're not embarrassed or ashamed of their past. See, this woman's knowledge of scripture leads me to believe, and even a lot of commentaries to believe, that she would have been living in guilt and shame because of her past, because she knew what she was doing wasn't in line with that. And so there was a fear. That's why she wanted to cover it up. That's why she's showing up at this well at noon. She doesn't want to face other people, because if they know the truth, or they probably already know the truth about her, and so it just means she's going to have to relive all of her past. And Jesus is here offering her freedom from that. He's offering her new life from her past. And this is where it begins. And so let's even look again at verse 27 through 30. And this is what Jesus says, or the scriptures say, it says, Just then the disciples came back, and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. And I love this, but none of them had the nerve to ask him. Right? I mean... You know, they've already had their encounters. Jesus done wear, wore them out enough, so they're not even going there. But again, it just speaks to they know the culture of the time. And again, it just goes back to show us Jesus' passion had nothing to do with polit- politics or labels or anything like that. His passion was people, and it continues to this day that he cares nothing about what you've done, what you've gone through. He cares about you, and that's plain and simple. He cares about you. And so they ask, They didn't have the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? And so the woman then left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So people came streaming in from the village to see him. And I believe here in this moment with the disciples coming back, finally this woman has her encounter with Jesus sink in. She sees him for who he is for the first time, that he doesn't care about her past, that he's not gonna let her past dictate her future. He's got a future for her. And if she trusts in him, that future will be great. It'll be all that she expected, all that she wanted. But she has to accept him. And what's really neat, and a lot of commentaries They kind of go against me in this, and I'm okay with that. This is kind of my own personal belief. They believe that just out of her excitement or maybe even kind of scared a little bit that the disciples showed up, she just runs away, and she leaves the water jar. I just personally, as I was studying, I feel it's more significant in that. She leaves her water jar, and she runs back to the village. What that symbolizes to me is she finally accepted her past for her past. She was no longer defined by that past. That's why she left it there. And the reason why I say that is because she didn't just leave it there and go home. What did she do? She left and went back to the very people that she was an outcast from. She ran back into the village where all these people know who she is. They know what she's going to do. These are the people she didn't want to have any communication with, any interaction with, whatsoever yet now all of a sudden because her past doesn't define her anymore and she realizes that she runs back to that very people and says you're never going to believe who i ran into you've got to come see this guy he told me everything basically what she was saying back in those days is he set me free i'm free from my past and if you want it you need to come talk to him you need to come talk to him and i'm going to ask the band to come back and we're going to close today because I believe for some of us in here we can relate to this woman 
In fact, probably most of us can relate to this woman. There are things in our past that haunt us. There are things in our past that we tend to hold on to that keep us from the future God has for us. And we think that we're never going to overcome that past. Or we think that that past is always going to be what defines our future. And Jesus is telling you today, I'm the one that defines your future. I'm the one that defines your future. And if you have an encounter with me, if you come to me, I will help you see the past for what it is. See, that's what this, this story is all about. Jesus wanted this woman to see that her past wasn't something for her to feel shame and fear of. He wanted her to see that it's simply the past. You know this. Jesus isn't concerned with your past. He's already come, died, resurrected, gone back to take care of your past. He's concerned with your present and your future. He's, discerned, he's concerned with what choice you will make now and how it will affect your future. That's what he's He's dealing with with this woman. And so this morning, I want to close this way. And if you would just close your eyes, not look around. Maybe you're in here this morning and you would say this. I haven't even made that first step. I haven't had that encounter with Jesus or accepted him as Savior and Lord. I hear this morning that he offers life and life to the fullest. Those are his words. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life to the fullest. And maybe you're here and you say, I want to experience that. I want to take that first step. I want to start that relationship with Jesus. I want to begin my encounter with him by giving him my life. I want to declare that he is my savior, the one that rids me of my sins, that has taken care of my past. But I also want to declare him as my Lord, the one that's now going to lead me going forward. And if that's you this morning, I would ask that you just slip your hand up real quick and you can put it back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Maybe you're in here this morning and you'd say this, I have that relationship with Jesus, but truth is, is instead of running to him, I'm running to wells that I've already dug. And I'm unsatisfied. I'm looking for that better life, but I keep running back to the things that I'm chained to. And I expect a different result. I don't know why, but I do. And when it ends up being the same thing, I'm disappointed. But today I want to say, no more. I'm not going back to that same old well. I'm running to Jesus because he's going to give me the life that will sustain me, that will carry me through my past or my struggle. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick. Thank you. Thank you. Number of hands. I just want to pray with you this morning. God, I thank you for those who raised their hand, Lord, that are beginning this journey with you, God. They're declaring and they're just saying, Lord, you are are who you say you are. You are Jesus, Son of God, who came, died on the cross for my sins, Lord God. And I believe in you. I believe that not only did you die for my sins, but that you didn't stay dead. You were resurrected, Lord God, that you now live forever, God. And even more than just being my Savior, God, I'm giving you my life. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be the one that leads me, that gives me direction in my life, that shows me where I need to go. Lord, I want the life that you have for me. And so I'm going to let you lead. God, I also pray for those who committed and said tonight, God, they're not returning to those wells anymore, but they're going to the life that you have for them, Lord God. Help them break free from their past, from their struggles, whatever it may be. I don't need to know, God, but they need to be honest with you. Help us this morning. Help all of us be honest with you, God, because you work best in truth, Lord God. 
No more facades, no more hiding, no more pretending I'm better than I am. God, you know who I am. But God, I want to be better than I am. So help me see you. Help me experience the life-giving water that you have. Let me have an encounter with you this morning, this week, God. I love you. I love you, Jesus.